0: Welcome to Lessons in Leadership, Steve Adubato. We're taped. This has been a long taping day, but the the conversations get better and better. How does it, how does leadership? I get to see you could tell it's been late. How does Lessons in Leadership work that way, Mary? How does it oh, get better great. and better as the day goes on?
1: I think it does. And it's so funny. You say it's been, I feel like the day flew by. It's always, you know, work is not work when you're having fun. And I do, I feel like the day as it goes on and we interview more fantastic guests, we have more topics and things that we hadn't thought of. And I don't think there's ever going to be a day that we don't have a new leadership topic to explore on this great show.
0: Well, then how about we introduce a new guest to Lessons in Leadership, talking about uh, leadership as it relates to younger people, then moi and you, Mary, too. Oh, Good. Why don't you introduce Morgan?
1: Would love to. So, uh, Morgan Lalavi, school counselor, Middlesex County Vocational and Technical Schools, who is also a doctoral candidate at Monmouth University. Morgan, thank you so much for joining us today.
2: Thank you for having me.
0: Uh, Morgan, do you know how we got you?
2: Um, I'm assuming my father.
0: <laughs> yes. Let's disclose that Greg Lalavi who's the leader over at. Uh, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local A25. Uh, Greg has been with us many, many times on Lessons in Leadership. Uh, A25 is one of our longtime partners and sponsors. And I, did you, you wrote a blog, you write a blog for your colleagues uh, at the, at, at Monmouth. And then you wrote about it in an interview that your dad did with us. Is that right?
2: Correct. Yeah.
0: What did you like about it other than me being really good?
2: <laughs> um- I I think Morgan thinks I'm
0: serious right now. And with that question, (laughs) go ahead. What got your attention?
2: Um, Well, I enjoyed listening to my dad talk about, I guess, his view of leadership um, and, you know, examples of how he handles the union and leadership, because obviously I grew up with him. So I've always looked up to him, but it was interesting to hear him talk about it. Um, and his take and kind of reflect on, you know, maybe some values that I hold near and dear to my heart and how I'm trying to become a leader myself. And maybe like where some of that comes from and how I've grown um, into having that kind of ambition.
0: You know, it's so interesting to hear you say that, Morgan, when you talk about your dad. Uh, Any one of us who uh, happens to be a parent would want our son, daughter, to say what you just said, but it doesn't always happen. That being said, what is it about your dad and his leadership that in particular influences your view of leadership? Be specific.
2: I think um, he always put me and my sisters first and always challenged us. Um, he kind of put getting his own degree on the back burner and now I'm you know, a doctoral candidate. I'm trying to get an advanced degree. And I've always strived for bigger and better and never backed down from a challenge. And I think that's really him influencing that on me, wanting better for me, um, wanting me to be able to get the education I wanted, and you know not really presenting any roadblocks. I never felt like there's any roadblocks when I wanted something. I could, you know, everything was attainable
1: to me when I was very fortunate.
0: Mary, how awesome.
1: Yeah, no, it's great. And Morgan, we have been asking so many adults, as Steve said, we've been through so many guests today and interviewed and spoke with so many great people. And one of the questions that I asked one of the adults today, who was definitely, I think somewhere in between my age and Steve's age, uh, was really what is needed out of our youth leaders today? But now talking to you, because you are a young adult youth leader, uh, what do you believe, especially for young adults coming out of college, uh, what do you feel is the most critical one or two leadership characteristics or traits that they need to be successful in the workforce?
2: I think, um, you know, taking ownership um, not being scared of a challenge, being okay to be different and, um, you know, lead by example, you know, um, my, one of my professors, my dissertation chair, Dr. Uh, Bill George talks about modeling the model. Um, and that's something that I have kind of taken on. I'm a school counselor. I'm around uh, high school students all the time, making decisions. Um, and I think it's really important to model that model, show them, what it is to be uh, you know, a functioning human in society. What are good decisions? Uh, what are things that you should be thinking about? Because um, I can talk the talk, but you know, my students, even when I think they're not, they're watching me. They're watching me talk to other staff members. They're listening to me on the phone. They're watching me, um, you know, how I speak to other students. And I know it means sometimes those interactions mean so much more to them than when I think, you know, it's just me and them.
0: Morgan, are you conscious of that? We, Mary and I were just talking. We've talked to so we many we literally today. just
1: said those same words. Yeah, in another episode, we were talking about you know Donald Trump and January sixth insurrection and what it means to walk the walk and talk the talk as it compares to say uh, President um, Zelensky. Zelensky. Right? Yeah, thank you. I always get the CDC director's name confused with that and uh, very similar. And we were just talking about that, that it's so important to walk the walk. And how do you make sure that your actions and behaviors are in a way that would model for these young adults?
2: I think just being very conscious of it and just remembering. um, Like I said, I work at a high school, so I'm extremely conscientious of it. I watch, you know, I purposely as the school counselor, I volunteer for things like lunch duty and I go and I watch my students. I watch my
1: students <laughs> Great
2: interact idea. with each other, who they sit with at lunch, who they're friends with, who might, you know, sit alone, who doesn't. And I learn, I think the most about my students when I do that. So I can only imagine what they learn about me when I think they're not watching me.
0: I'll follow up on that. Uh, your dad introduced me to uh, Greg Lalovey introduced me to the book, Extreme Ownership, which I know you're familiar with.
3: Mm-hmm. Right?
0: So, so here's the question, the theme in Extreme Ownership, which is part of our leadership library, look at the website, you'll check out lessons, excuse me, uh, Extreme Ownership, along with a whole range of other books in our library on leadership. But here's the thing. Do you think Morgan, that a disproportionate number of younger people, high school age, have a harder time, quote, owning Their actions, including their mistakes. Um, Do you think there's something to do with this age group? It's really, really tough. Or is it everybody has a hard time taking ownership over their actions, including presidents of the United States?
2: I think it's a little bit of both. I think the problem is maybe the youth are having a hard time because they're watching the adults in their life struggle (laughs) with it. And they're, they're mimicking the behavior. If the adults are doing it, why can't they do it? You know, if we don't hold them, if we're not holding ourselves accountable, how can we hold them accountable? Um, You know, all those types of teachable moments that I think are really important for students to have. Um, And especially, you know, COVID I think affected a lot of the younger generation being out of the school, out of the classroom, out of these social interactions where I think they learn the most.
0: A quick follow-up on that, uh, you know I'm a student in communication along with Mary. We're obsessed by the connection between leadership and communication skills. And in fact, at the International Union of Operating Engineers Local A25 for the past several years, because of your dad, we um, lead a leadership academy there, a group of their top people in which we actually not just coach and talk about leadership, but talk about the importance of the ability to communicate persuasively, effectively, in a compelling fashion. Where does your skill, your ability to just come on here and in other situations, in the doctoral program, along with your work uh, every day at the Middlesex County Vocational and Technical Schools as a school counselor, where does your communication skills, where do your communication skills come from?
2: I think just, you know, interacting. My job is talking to students, families, and other stakeholders all day. Um, my job is always to try to communicate what's going on um, you know, communicate to parents what's going on with their child in the building or what's going on with other teachers, communicating with students, um, you know, what they should be doing or what they shouldn't be doing. It's just really important, I think, to be very transparent when you're communicating. And I know that's not always easy because sometimes being transparent is maybe telling something, someone something they don't want to hear. But I think that is the most important time to be the most transparent. And be very direct.
0: So, Mary, if Morgan Wallaby is uh, even close to an uh, example of the kind of younger leaders that our future um, will be in the hands of, of leaders like Morgan, I'm more confident than I was than before we started this show.
1: Me too, Morgan.
0: Um, thank you to you and to to your dad, who's been an extraordinary friend and colleague and partner of mine, Mary's of our company, Stand and Deliver. Uh, we wish you, um, your family and everyone you work with uh, really well. You're a terrific young leader. Thanks so much.
2: Thank you for having me. It was an honor.
0: You got it. It was Lessons in Leadership. we we'll are right back. This edition of Lessons in Leadership is made possible by the Bicino Leadership Institute at Seton Hall University, Prager Menace, Valley Bank, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 825, the North Ward Center, the New Jersey Sharing Network, Delta Dental of New Jersey, Kessler Foundation, Veolia, and Seton Hall University. Showing the world what great minds can do since 1856. Welcome back to Lessons in Leadership. Steve Adubato, Mary Gamba. We are honored to be joined by Evan Evan Delgado, uh, president programs and planning at the Tarot Fund, one of our longtime partners, particularly on the public television side. Evan, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me, Steve. Uh, this is the first time you've been on Lessons and Leadership, correct, Mary Gamba? Correct, Evan? It is.
1: It is, but it will not be the last.
3: <laughs> right. And Evan, let everyone know exactly what the Tarot Fund is. The Tarot Fund is a uh, philanthropic foundation based out of Montclair, New Jersey. We fund nonprofits in Vermont and in New Jersey, and especially focus on early childhood and prenatal care. And in fact, our not-for-profit
0: company, the Caucus Educational Corporation, uh, has been a longtime grantee of the Terrell Fund. We are, in fact, uh, several years into a series called Reimagine Childcare, talking about affordable, accessible, quality childcare, and uh, that is largely because of the trustees at Terrell, along with Evan and Kurt Fields. Who leads the organization? Um, question. We've been asking everyone who's come on today in our taping and lessons in leadership the greatest influence or influence, those who have influenced your view of leadership
3: are whom? Yeah. So I don't think you'll be shocked when I say that Kurt Fields, president and CEO of the Journal Fund, has been one of the <laughs> You just mentors. teed
1: that one up, you know, Steve. It was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that,
3: that, that. <laughs> I can see you saw it coming, so. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, go ahead. But no, just a remarkable mentor and leader, and I'm sure you will ask follow-up questions, but I think the mix of compassionate and focused leadership really centered on people uh, has defined the way that I approach the work. Let
0: me disclose a couple of things. Uh, I've been working with Evan, and he's one of the uh, several people that we work with in terms of their communication, leadership development. But he's already a really good leader, a really strong leader. But he obviously is, you may not be able to tell this, but he is just a couple of years younger than I am. Um, that was, a, by the way, neither one of you had to laugh right then.
1: Well, I mean, who, it, it was yeah. that awkward, like, ha, ha,
0: ha. <laughs> is he joking? Is he serious? <laughs> but Evan, the point I'm making is that you're very early on in your career as a leader. And so there's a, you have a long runway, if you will. Here's the question. Do you believe that you are a natural born leader or a
3: taught coached and trained leader? Hmm. I think it's a great question. Um, You know, I I think that I've been very lucky in the mentors that I've had. You know, I think I've always had a spark for the work, Um, always wanted to help people. And I think I work hard, but I think without those strong mentorships early on, and especially the mentorship that I received at the Terrell Fund, I would not be where I am today. I think that cycle of doing the work, getting candid feedback um, and really dedicating myself to service, I think it just led to a, a virtuous cycle that is taking me to where I am now.
0: Real quick before Mary jumps in, you said feedback. what have you let me try it this way. Have you had to fight the urge to be defensive when getting feedback that is something other than oh my God, you're terrific, you're amazing, you're great. <laughs> but I'm talking about critical tough feedback. Have you had to fight the urge to be defensive? Because an awful lot of people, you haven't been working with me, but a lot of folks I work with push back
3: real hard on the feedback. Please. So I'd say absolutely. And I think much more so back to the start of uh, my time at the Turrell Fund, I think it becomes more and more second nature to accept that feedback. I think that impulse of defensiveness never fully goes away for the vast majority of us. But I think it's something to recognize and control for. And I think something that I've looked uh, looked at or learned over the years is that um, you know feedback is really just information when you really come down to it, especially when it's constructive. Uh, it is information about how people perceive you. Uh, it is information about how you're doing the work and potentially how you could be doing it better. Um, and I've learned to kind of shift from a mindset of defensiveness to a mindset of gratitude around it.
0: That's a great leadership trait. Go ahead, Mary.
1: Yeah. I would like to switch gears a little bit, but it is very interrelated. I think I made up that word. Relationship building. So whether you're talking about uh, just development of your people internally, but relationship building externally, being uh, so involved in the nonprofit, the philanthropic world over the past two and a half plus years of the pandemic, where does relationship building and leadership, where do they coincide? What is the link between the two in your opinion?
3: I think all work is very relationship-based. I think philanthropic work, social impact work is especially relationship-based. And I think there's two parts to the answer. I think one is external, one is internal. Um, The external one is almost obvious, which is that we are one foundation out of many, out of many different agencies trying to do good work in New Jersey and in Vermont. Um, And we are dependent on our partners to really get that work done, whether they are government agencies, whether they're other philanthropic partners, whether they're nonprofit partners, we cannot achieve the goals that we have around serving children and families without those partners. So I would say heavily, heavily relationship-based externally. Internally, you know, I think something that Kurt has passed down is that the work is really all about people. You know, The team is the work. Um, everything that we're able to accomplish is fully, fully predicated on our team, right? Um, not just me, not just Kurt, but everybody working over at the Troll Fund, being productive, being happy, and I think especially being cared for. Um, I think something that's been important at the Toral Fund for my own development to watch and practice, and something that I try to put into action is really leading with compassion, is that when you treat your people well, uh, one, they treat you well. (laughs) They put in good work for the organization, but I think also they pass that along. Um, They bring that to the work and they bring their best selves to work. I think that's good for the work at the Toral Fund internally. I think it also makes us a better partner
0: to all of the nonprofits
3: that we work with. Um, I'm gonna go back to something.
0: Evan, to what degree have your parents influenced your view of leadership and and interacting and caring about other people? Well,
3: I did not see that question coming, but I I love it. And I'm actually quite grateful uh, that you asked it. Um, So I come from a Puerto Rican family, totally social impact oriented. My father was a professor of sociology and my mother was a labor attorney. Um, in California. and really fought for employees and for workers. And uh, my brother's actually over at the ACLU of Georgia. So family is totally dedicated to social impact and social justice. So I kind of grew up having those conversations around the dinner table, you know, about inequality and how our society allocates its resources around uh, racial inequities, right? Um, I grew up kind of breathing that. Uh, and I knew from a young age that I wanted to serve in some way and push for a better society. And they really just kind of instilled that compassion in me. I didn't know I was gonna end up in the philanthropic sector. I didn't even realize that was a job <laughs> until much, <laughs> much later. <laughs> um, but I would say heavily, right? And they modeled it. You know, I think that's an aspect of leadership too, is kind of you know, modeling um, mm-hmm. and living well and expecting others to live well as they dedicated their lives In the service of others, it seemed natural that I should do the same.
0: Just follow up real quick. The Reimagined Childcare Initiative. We do programming around the importance of, as I said, quality, affordable, accessible childcare. But but it raises an important question. For so many people, Evan, being the kind of professional, being the kind of leader they want and need to be in their in their lives professionally. I'm being redundant here, but it is greatly influenced by the ability to have quality affordable childcare, particularly for parents, single, other situations, uh, parents. Complicated question, but I'm curious, do we have a responsibility as leaders of organizations to be more in business and not-for-profits, university life, educate, whatever it is, the employers to be more conscious of the tremendous impact that the issue of childcare has on people's ability
3: to be effective in their work and in their lives. It's something we strongly believe at the Toral Fund that when you invest in high quality, affordable childcare, you are investing in families. And there's a component of the work that's important for kids, right? Quality early education, Uh, but when you really focus in on parents and caregivers and families, you know, this is something that really breaks the bank for a lot of families. It's something that's essential, uh, but can be up to $10,000 in any given year. And For a lot of families, that's just not doable. Um, high quality, affordable childcare allows people to go back to school. It allows them to get jobs, to keep jobs. It is foundational for the economy. Um, and really you factor in the early educators themselves. You know, those who are providing care to our kids, you know, some have to take on second jobs on top of being an early educator you know, have to be an early educator, you know, and a bartender or work at a local organization, right? It's just too much, right? Uh, These are people who we entrust our children to, and they're just horribly, horribly undercompensated and not valued enough for the work that they do. So I think childcare is just really pivotal. It's critical to our economy. Um, It's something we have to prioritize on a statewide level. And I think that, you know, our sector, whether it's philanthropy, whether it's the private sector, I think we have a, a key role in supporting that. Um, and there's more that we can be doing.
0: Um, Evan, we cannot thank you enough for joining us on Lessons in Leadership. To you, to Kirtland, and to the other folks at the Tarot Fund, um, you're terrific partners. We're honored to, to do the work we do with the support of the Tarot Fund, and we wish you and everyone there all the best.
3: Thank you so much for having
0: me, Steve. It's been an honor. You got it. That's Evan. That's Mary. I'm Steve. Lessons in Leadership. We'll be right back. Promotional support for this edition of Lessons in Leadership with me, Steve Atabato. And my colleague, Mary Gamba, has been provided by NJ.com, NJBIA, and New Jersey Business Magazine, CIANJ, and Commerce Magazine. This is Lessons in Leadership, Mary Gamba. We are joined by our director, uh, who does a million things, keep things going. He's been on camera before, but I surprise him right now, Alvin Badger. Elvin, how would you describe? Listen, it's hard for people to appreciate, nor do most people care about behind the scenes, but we've had a pretty long production day, right? We did. Is uh, your audio is a little bit off? You want to call Frank Brown about that?
1: <laughs> you just sound a little loud, Elvin, but you could talk okay. in your.
4: And I will adjust that standby.
0: See, look, look, look in real time. I
1: love a- it. He's directing.
0: So, Elvin, here's, here's a question I want to ask you. This is about leadership, organization, management, communication, teamwork, blah, 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 blah. You were saying before that today went really well. What Describe what you believe to be a really good day for you to say that, because you don't often say that.
4: Well, today was really good because we planned for the day. We were, we were down one person, Mr. Frank Brown, our audio engineer, but because Mary and I talked about it, we were able to still execute the day seamlessly. We had no issues. I do apologize about the ring doorbell.
0: <laughs> but That's how so people know they, we're not editing, but go ahead. The day, the
4: day went well. Mary kept you calm. I kept you calm. You had a good day today.
0: Wait, wait a minute. I was with you until you said, quote, Mary <laughs> kept you calm. Yes. Well, am, I, am I a walking time bomb?
4: No, not at all. Okay. But but sometimes, you know, we get a little flustered and the day doesn't go as as well as we want it to go. But today was an an amazing day.
0: So Mary, talk about this. Other than the planning and the organizational skills and everything else, and people may wonder, what does this have to do with leadership? And the answer is everything. Planning is very important, Mary, but Mm -hmm. so is "Quote unquote collaboration." Talk about it, Mary Gamba.
1: Yeah, no, definitely collaboration for sure. And and I was saying it before we got on the air. And thank you again to you, Elvin and Scarlett and April and Amy and Sylvester behind the scenes because just having that amount of confidence and communication between all of us, as Elvin had shared, you know, when we knew we were going to be down, our audio engineer, you know, the easiest thing would be let's just pull a day and find another day. But given schedules, of course, that's almost impossible. And Elvin stepped up. He said, I've got this. We're going to be okay. And, you know, just to go to what he was saying, when things did go wrong today, a lot of leadership is just knowing how to communicate, how to take a breath and make sure you know at one point during the day today Steve I had to text you and your camera operator to say we're dealing with a little bit of a, a an issue we will be you know no more than five minutes so it's also over communicating in a good way making sure that the people on your team know what's happening you're not keeping them in the dark and I think that also helps in a very uh, busy day for sure.
0: Before I let you go Elvin, let me try this. Yes. We were asking a lot of people this question, and I don't think I've ever asked you this. If I have, just tell me. What, what, what are you laughing
1: at?
4: I'm just waiting to hear the question, sir. Just waiting to hear the question.
1: <laughs> He's been with us all day. He knows what that question is going to be.
0: So, so the greatest, greatest influence and impact on you as it relates to your view of leadership has come from where?
4: It's come from my mentors. So I have three really good mentors. One is Orja West who I introduced you to about a couple of months ago. The other is Frank Brown. And then another engineer. gentleman. And then our audio engineer, yes. And then another gentleman, his name is Vlad. And Vlad. his name is Vlad, yes. We work together a lot on the road. And he, especially him and Frank, keep me level-headed. And when I'm about to go off that cliff, they remind me how I got to where I am and how to keep, how to keep pushing forward.
0: Elvin, is there a reason you did not mention me? Steve, Just would, would you like
4: would you, would you like to be my mentor as well?
0: Would you let no? You don't no. If I'm not your natural, no. I, I, in all seriousness, uh, in some ways, and I'm gonna tell you something interesting. In some ways, Elvin Badger, you have been a mentor to me in spite of our scrawling what. <laughs> Scarlin is saying, and this is interesting. Scarlin is saying behind the camera, who does extraordinary work, and I'm saying, and let's just say Scarlin and I are at different age points, uh, he's a very young man, that you're his mentor. And in some ways, Elvin, watching you, being around you, has influenced me. So I, I don't know how I wouldn't call you a mentor.
4: I appreciate that, Steve. Just remember one thing here it comes. You have to retire soon. You lived half your life. It's time to enjoy life.
0: Um, are you hold on? Wait a minute, hold on. In sports, very often they'll go to a player who's been on, or a boxer, or a basketball player, baseball player, and they just say, "Listen, you're done." Are you trying to tell me you believe, even though I'm thinking I'm at the top of my game? Are you telling me that it's time?
4: No, I'm not telling you it's time. I just want you to know you got to smell the roses sometimes.
0: Why can't I smell the roses while we're doing great work?
4: You can, but eventually you're going to want to travel more. Like me, I tell you all the time, Steve, I'm not trying to work past 60. If I'm working past 60, it's because I want to, not because I have to.
0: Now, this traveling, would that include moving outside of Montclair and Essex County, New Jersey, where I'm based? Are you saying around Northern New Jersey, New Jersey, the region, the country, the world. What are you talking I'm, about? I'm trying to travel the world. Travel the world.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm right there with you, Elvin. You know, know I'm getting RV that RV. RV. No, I, I know oh, wants yeah, the
4: RV. I'm not about the RV. Yeah,
1: and I'm excited. I mean, it's going to be in the next year. We're going to get it because my youngest is going to be going to college next September. So once he goes off to college, game on, it's, yeah, we'll, we'll send him a postcard. I, Elvin, you have been
0: to Mary maybe. as well. You know what? I'm going to spend some time this summer down the Jersey Shore. I'm going to travel. Are you are you going to invite us? Absolutely. Can we have a, we have a uh, rap party at the house on the, in the shore? You know what? We are going to have a rap, Mary. Uh huh. We haven't. We have not seen each other in forever. Yep. Let's have A rap party. The problem is this thing never ends, which is why there's not a rap party. Yeah. There,
1: it, we can't call it a rap party, but we could have a party. I've never seen a shore house either, so don't feel bad, Elvin. I've in never seen it twenty
0: something years, Mary. No, never I haven't it. had the house for twenty. I couldn't afford it. Until <laughs> <the last few. laughs> All right. We're having a party either here in our home in Montclair or down the Jersey Shore. That's it. I don't have any more homes than that. Elvin, I want to thank you for coming on. We're not only kicking butt today, being a great leader, great director, Scarlin, April, uh, Sylvester, Amy, everyone, a great team. Mary, thank you. Elvin did not realize he was going to be on today, but as always, he just deals with it. And what is he saying in the chat? Mary? And he's still
1: putting cues up. I don't know how you type the word goodbye with like that quickly, but goodbye, everybody. Goodbye,
0: everybody. Lessons in leadership. Goodbye. This edition of Lessons in Leadership is made possible by the Bicino Leadership Institute at Seton Hall University, Prager Metis, Valley Bank, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 825, the North Ward Center, the New Jersey Sharing Network, Delta Dental of New Jersey, Kessler Foundation, Veolia, and Seton Hall University, showing the world what great minds can do since 1856.
1: This is Mary Gamba. If you want more leadership tips and tools, log on to Stand-Deliver.com. That's Stand-Deliver.com.
0: Promotional support for this edition of Lessons in Leadership with me, Steve Atabato, and my colleague, Mary Gamba, has been provided by NJ.com, NJBIA, and New Jersey Business Magazine, CIANJ, and Commerce Magazine.